Here at Just Baseball, we have teamed up with BetMGM for the 2023 MLB season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use code JustBaseball, and you will get up to a $1,000 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Step number one, download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code JustBaseball. Step number two, deposit at least $10 and place your first wager on any game. Step number three, you will receive up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your bet loses. Just make sure you use bonus code JUSTBASEBALL when you sign up. Disclaimer, 21 plus to wager. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. U.S. promotional offers not available in Washington, D.C., Mississippi, Nevada, New York, and Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in Colorado, Washington, D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Maryland, Mississippi, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. Call 1-800-522-4700 in Kansas and Nevada. Call 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. Call 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. Call 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code JUSTBASEBALL and get your $1,000 first bet offer today. The Martian has arrived. We've got a whole lot of other baseball conversation to have, including a 20-piece from the Minnesota Twins against the Cleveland Guardians. You circled this series, kind of a bullshit circle, Aram Layton. Jack and Aram, just baseball show. We also got to talk about another AL Central thing and an executive change that like, I wanted to stay away from last week, but now I've had a couple days to, to sit on it. Happy long weekend, everybody. Uh, just baseball show presented by BetMGM. Programming notes. No Walker Bueller on this episode. Walker Bueller tomorrow. Walker was flying back to Arizona from Oklahoma City. Um, and, you know, like, we get it, man. He made a rehab. And it was yeah, it was a pretty pretty big moment for him. Uh, you know, for those who may not have caught it, two innings, two perfect innings. I think it was three Ks. Fastball was up to 96. And his first rehab appearance uh, with AAA Oklahoma City, I mean – can't ask for much more than that stuff looked good he looked good he it was it was fun to see it was exciting to see and uh i i think dodgers fans got they have to be really excited for a myriad of reasons but walker is going to be very important to this team and you know i think that's something that even if he wasn't which is impossible like even if they were star studded with five aces i think dodgers fans would still be amped up it was really cool to see how how excited people were on social media and how eager they are to to see him back you know on the mound for the Dodgers 100% and we'll start there actually and we're going to talk to Walker that'll be the Wednesday episode Thursday great conversation you and Peter have with Pitching Ninja coming up yes, and then Friday it'll be all three of us so jam packed short week after the long weekend so I hope you all enjoyed that let's start with Walker Bueller i mean in Oklahoma City against a prospect laden frisco lineup i was looking at the lineup 
And I, I was texting a buddy. I was just like, I, I wish there were some like funny quadruple A guys that he was seeing. Like I would love to see him face a Dom Smith type or a Luke Voigt type. But no, it was Evan Carter and it was a whole bunch <laughs> of other big time yeah. prospects um, in AAA Round Rock. And, and this guy, I mean, there there's a different level of pitcher when you go to AAA, which is the second highest quality of baseball in the United States, probably in the world. Uh, yeah. And you make it look so elementary and easy. And that's what he did for two innings. And dude, I'm going to bring this up to him. He looked like a brick shit house, man. He he, he looked ready to go. He looked ready to go. I, I mean, again, it was cool to see the Gavin Stone piggyback too. Yeah. We get two innings of of perfect ball from Walker, and then Gavin Stone on the piggyback going six shutty as well with one walk and seven Ks. Uh, that was that was pretty awesome to see. I actually never really thought about it through that lens. I would love to see a triple A, like a good triple A lineup against. Uh, the NPB, like the average NPB team and see how they stack up and see what that looks like. I think it would be a good seven game series. I think, uh, so. I think it would be really fun. Also, speaking of triple like, A teams and prospect laden teams, and I don't want to take us off course here, but before yeah. I forget Norfolk, like with the triple A uh, affiliate of the Orioles, I think in terms of like prospect pedigree, I'm not sure there's ever been a better lineup. We said that going into this year, and now Jackson Holiday has somehow played his way up into AAA, and now you have a lineup that I think includes five just baseball top 100 prospects. So here are the notable names on the Norfolk Tide's active roster right now. Jackson Holiday, Kobe Mayo, Connor Norby, Joey Ortiz, Colton Kowser, Heston Kerstad, Kyle Stowers, and let's go to the hill right now. You've got what Tyler Wells working his way back. You've got John, John Means. Means on a rehab. Yep. Cade Povich. Um, I, I mean, dude, this is insane. That I think that team, and this is no disrespect to the NPB. That team, I think, wins the NPB title. <laughs> like yeah. that team's nasty. Yes. I know there's some really special talents that'll be superstars in major league baseball out there. But that team's that team's well rounded. I, I always hate the the joke of like, could this AAA team, you know, win how many games at the big league level? That team is winning some big league games. That team's winning some 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 ball games right there. Uh, that's Absolutely. a fun that's a fun ball club. I think I might take that, that ball club. It, would you take them over the Oakland A's in a seven game series? I think I would. I think I would. If I, I mean, they've start... got the, they've got the veterans on rehab, so you got John Means. So like, yeah. Game one, you got the advantage. If you're worried about the bullpen, you've got Brian Baker, who's there. Like, kind oh of yeah, he's on rehab. There's your closer. So yeah, no, I think I'm taking them to maybe a gentleman sweep by Oakland. Mm, no, give me the A's and six. Give me A's and six. Yeah, um, I think that's probably right. Here's another one too, real quick for the prospect heads: Roman Anthony, who's a top ten prospect mm-hmm. according to Just Baseball, and Kyle Teal, who is you know, the Red Sox on pick this yeah. year. Yeah. Um, draft slider catcher from Virginia teal and Roman Anthony go up to double a Portland to join Nick York and Marcelo Meyer. So that offense has gotten really fun too. I I still can't believe, I still can't believe Kyle Teal fell to 14. The Red Sox got blessed. He already looks so damn good. And and Wyatt Langford will be heading up to double a very, very soon. That guy looks unbelievable. He's there. Um, He just got to Frisco. He just got there too. That's another guy. How the hell did he fall to to where he fell? The Rangers are blessed that they were able to snag him. And then 
And I, of course, Dylan Cruz already in double A. So we'll do some draft stuff soon on the call up and on here to kind of check in on all those guys. But they are definitely moving as fast as ever. I think that's very clear, whether you look at Jackson Holiday from the year prior in AAA or yeah. all of these guys in AA or some of these other guys that were drafted a year ago, not even in the first round, quickly pushing their way to double. We're seeing a lot more, uh, I think, aggression when it comes to pushing guys through the minors because they're just good now. They're just a different level of good. Right. So the college breed is is different. And you yes. talk about Cruz, Lankford just got to double. I mean, Paul Skeen's like, hey, he just kind of proved that that bad outing in his double-A debut was a fluke. He looked amazing in his second double-A start. But the, the thing that fascinates me is the high school draftees getting off the yep. complex this quickly. Walker Jenkins excelling off the complex. Yep. Dylan Head, end of the first round by San Diego, already off the complex. Max Clark, already off the complex. Just fascinating to me. Um, These kids are uh, different now. They really are. It's crazy. They're so different. Hey, man, look at the Martian. In the first weekend of baseball in his life at the big league level, this guy has two pumps, including on the very first swing he takes at the Mm -hmm. major league level against a future first ballot Hall of Famer. Jason Dominguez, we had a long Dominguez conversation with Peter, and I said statistically he could look similar to Altman because it could be 20 to 25 homers and maybe 25 bags in his first full season. I'm taking 73 homers. Fuck. <laughs> yeah. Let's go to Barry Bonds. I mean, dude, the, I know it didn't go that far, but the second one, I mean, that was a, just a nasty swing. There's the quickness and just that thing went straight up into orbit. Uh, the, the first one was also the first home run was special because it's off of Justin Verlander. It's backside the other way, just effortless pop. I think the most impressive thing though, to this point is, We've got 13 Jason Dominguez played appearances thus far and only a pair of strikeouts. And that's what we were talking about in terms of this kid is more polished than people give him credit for. Yes, we are seeing flashes of the power. It's not going to be Ellie De La Cruz, 120 mile per hour home runs, but he'll, he'll get into one. He'll hit his 115s, 116s, which by the way, Ronnie Mauricio as well, yeah. popping the, the hardest hit ball of the season uh, by any Met player. We told you he's got some juice, but Dominguez, I don't think it's a coincidence. You look at this Yankees team. They're playing better ball with the young guys. It's a more inspired level of baseball. And all of a sudden, they're winning some more ball games. They're in it more. And they're just more competitive. I think they're probably kicking themselves for not doing this a little bit earlier because I think on the Yankees side, they looked at this as waving the white flag. But in turn, they may end up with a better record than if they kept all the old guys together and tried to run it through the rest of the year. Yeah. No, I I think so too, man. And like, I don't know. There's something about baseball in New York for the last month of the season that would kind of make me want to go. And obviously all eyes are on the Jets and Giants right now. Um, They shouldn't be on what Jalen Brunson's New York Knicks because they just fell to Lithuania, who, I mean, shot the lights out. Did you watch that? The FIBA World Cup thing? USA losing. Yeah, the U.S. lost to Lithuania. I just saw that on the on the scores flashing at the bottom. I just like I don't know how that's humanly possible. I I have no idea, dude. And I like I tried watching a little bit of it. Shea actually had a great outing for Canada, but that was, you know, beside the fact Um, baseball in New York. If you're looking for something to do on a weeknight, it might be worth it now. In both, oh, no, no doubt, no doubt. Games, especially Mets games, uh, shockingly cheap. Uh, and, and when not shockingly, go, dude, they gave up. You know, I, I mean, understand that, but it's New York and you just everything's expensive. 
you yeah. can get you can get into it. And, you know, if you're visiting or whatever, go to a ball game right now because this is probably the best time you're going to be able to go in terms of affordability of the seats. And you're going to see good stuff. Like instead of watching quadruple A guys, both teams have a lot of young talent that I think is worth watching to your point that you can look back on and say, Hey, I saw Jason Dominguez in his rookie season. I saw you know, the the young core of the Mets in their you know rookie season as well, because I think a lot of those guys, several of those guys will be a big part of their future. So it's fun. I, I'm excited about the future for, for both of these teams in terms of the young players, but I'm also excited for some, some cheap September tickets because I'll probably pull up to a few Mets games and probably sit better than I, than I have when, when I've gone to games as a fan. Because, dude, why not? And Mauricio popped to what a one seventeen. Um, you so. got you got my mind thinking about three zero on the outer black from Emmett Sheehan. Might I add that was taking one twenty one point two to yeah. dead center from Acuna. We were blessed with two excellent series this past weekend: Dodgers Braves for sure, Cubs Reds the other one. And I want to shout out Cubs Reds in in Cincinnati because there were two walk offs there um, Saturday night. Javier Assad goes eight shutout and the Reds figure out a way to win that game 2-1 on an Ellie De La Cruz single and a Hunter Renfro fielder's choice. Dansby Swanson dove to try and start a fielder or to try and start a double play. Like there was something about that series in the height of a wild card hunt in Cincinnati between the Cubs and the Reds. Yeah, that was a ton of fun. And we'll start with that and then we'll get to Dodgers Braves. What did you take away from that series in Cincinnati this weekend? I think the, the biggest thing that I saw with with especially the Cubs and, and the Reds and you know Milwaukee as well. I think you can make the case with them as, as well. We've been joking about the Centrals and how trash they are. The AL Centrals definitely uh definitely. trash. But the NL Central, you can see it's it's starting to come together because you know, and that was my big takeaway is that. This division is going to be good soon. And these teams, these rivalries, I think are really going to grow because you're going to have a, a nucleus on both on several teams here that are going to play each other a lot. And I know that division games aren't the same as they used to be. You don't play your division a, a trillion times and way more than everybody else. But there's always going to be that regional contention. These teams are all very close to each other, especially in the NL Central. And, and also there's already those embedded rivalries and they still have to compete for the same division title. But specifically in that series, man, all I could think of is I'm looking at several guys on both teams that are going to be a big part of their future. And I'm like, this is going to be a fun rivalry moving forward. And it's already fun right now. And both of these teams are far from, I think, the finished product. And I think far from how good they're going to be next year, too. So I think this is just the appetizer to what's going to be a really fun battle for the Central over the next several years. If you look at Milwaukee, Chicago and Cincinnati, and even you can make the case for Pittsburgh. And, you know, St. Louis isn't going to suck forever. You could have five teams that are all kind of battling it out here in the very near future. This division is very exciting moving forward. And I think that that is incredibly indicative of kind of where we're getting with baseball, where the overall baseline of prospect is way higher. Um, and there are a lot of standouts in every organization. So, yeah, I mean, we look at St. Louis like they got to figure out pitching. They're a big market team. They have a billion households tuned into every fucking telecast on a given night and it doesn't matter like they're still tuning in to yeah. cardinals telecast so they're gonna have the money to spend on pitching because drew rom unfortunately is not the answer yeah. um but like again pittsburgh has a top five system in baseball milwaukee looks great they've got a bunch of guys under a lot of control long term and yelich has bounced back and he's the long-term pillar um the cubs and the reds are, are in such a unique spot 
COVID's back out of nowhere. And the fact that the Reds were able to weather the COVID storm yeah. here is really impressive. And I'm fascinated to see how Connor Phillips looks tonight in his debut against Seattle. I don't Me know too. how. I think it's a tough draw for him. I mean, this was, I mean, I hate, I hate this because I'm always excited for a guy to make his debut. And Connor Phillips has made so much progress this year to even be considered in a call up in this kind of situation uh, because he put himself in position to be that emergency promotion. But at that same point, he's not up if it weren't for this kind of outbreak and crappy situation here with, with that Reds team. So, I mean, here's the thing. Stuff's crazy. If, if, if he's locked in, I've, I've seen more shocking things than a guy like Connor Phillips shoving uh, yeah. right out of the gate. So it'll be fun to watch. I would say he's playing with house money, though, because he's so young. He's still raw. The plan wasn't really to get him up this year. If he if he shoves, that's awesome. If he struggles, that this was just the arm that gave them the best shot out of any of the arms that they had available. And I, I agree with them going to him. I do think that he gives them the best shot. If you go with somebody else, it's pretty much an automatic five spot. You, know, yeah. you go to Levi Stout or somebody, like it's it's going to be an automatic five spot. It might be a five spot from Connor Phillips, but there's outcomes, I think, where he shoves. And I'm willing to roll the dice on that. And maybe he'll learn something from this outing, too. I will say the Mariners' offense has been cold all of a sudden again. The second we start getting excited about them, they start to cool down a little bit. Yeah, well, and there are outings, you know, we see it from Connor Phillips in the minor leagues, and I think he's holding on to the minor league strikeout crown right now. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not 100% certain on that, but I know he was a couple of weeks ago. But Phillips, you know, there are outings that he's had this year where he gets through five innings of one run ball, but he walks five. So yes. it may be a tightrope act, but he can absolutely give you five innings of one or two run ball. You know, it's just going to look frustrating. Yeah. But who cares when you're in a playoff race? Exactly. And he gives you, I think he has a chance to give you the best shot. Can I give you his last two starts though? Yes. This is insane. Yes. So on the 26th against Toledo, one and a third, six hits, six earned runs. Then no, no strikeouts. Yeah. Then his last start leading up into this one, six innings, three hits, no runs, one walk, six Ks. <laughs> I know you've seen some of this too, up close and personal in Indy where He's a 22-year-old with great stuff that's just vibing out in AAA, just trying to figure it out, seeing the ups and downs, and I think they're hoping to catch it up. And again, I, I think it's it's the right move, but don't hold it against him if he struggles. That's all I'm going to say. He's a friend of the program, too. He was on the call-up, and we had a great conversation with Connor. It was kind of stacked with Jared Jones of the Pirates in one of those um, episodes a couple of weeks back. And Phillips was very candid about making the switch from baseball to baseball. And we've talked a lot about the tact baseball in the Southern League, but he went from the tact baseball to a major league baseball. Yeah. And he may still be trying to figure this shit out. I I don't know. It wouldn't surprise like me. Hitters, the adjustment process was a bit quicker than pitchers. Because like hitters, you, you're hitting the white thing coming towards you. And yeah. it's harder to hit in the front half of the year, but then it gets easier to hit in the second half of the year. With pitchers, <laughs> you're going from like throwing, you know, a, a waterlogged ball to a ball that's, you know, just kind of sitting there chalky as shit. 100% affects the pitchers way more. Junior Caminero is hitting 385 over his last 25 games yeah. in that league. I mean, it's no it, adjustment it's needed. Can I make, I'll make one prediction here though. I think Connor Phillips throws 70% fastballs and he yeah. should. That's the way 
that's the way you succeed. If they get on top of some heaters and beat you, okay, tip your cap. It's 95 to 97, empty the tank with the fastball, challenge them. We've seen guys in their debut succeed that way. Connor Phillips' last start in AAA, he threw 83 pitches, 59 were fastballs, had a great start. I think that's what he does, and I think he has a decent start. So we'll see how that goes. To wrap up on the Central, though, yeah, I'm going to ask you a difficult question. You could buy one team's future. So you basically get to take over one of these franchises, finances and all that shit aside. Just you're taking over the success of a team. Which one are you selecting here of of the five in the NL Central? Because I think they're all relatively in the same conversation. Yeah. Who's whose future are you taking right now? So finances, including finances, I take the Chicago Cubs. Excluding finances, I still take the Chicago Cubs. Yeah, I don't I don't hate that answer at all. With, I, that might be the answer. With finances, the way that I kind of look at it is they have so much organizational talent. And I know that some of these guys are going to turn into stars. I know it. But they have the financial capability to pay a starting pitcher. Because a lot of pitchers want to be a Chicago Cub. It's fun to throw there. You've heard Stroman talk about how it's really fun to throw there. They can pony up and give Bellinger 200 mil after they gave Dansby Swanson 170 mil. The Reds can't do that. And the Reds can't lure any starting pitcher in free agency. I think the Reds are like the answer by sheer talent alone. But situationally, yeah, I feel so much better if I'm the GM of the Cubs, knowing that I'm swimming in, in a bigger pool financially and I'm a more alluring destination for free agents. And that's why I said no money, asshole. So team yeah. town. Okay. But team no, you're hundred percent right. No, you're hundred percent right. And and the, uh, to to build off of that, aside from Jamison Tyone, they don't have any major financial commitments. Yeah, say a Suzuki. Like it's a lot of Ian Happ was extended, but, but it's a Dan's lot. He's a good one. That's the thing. Like he's a cheap deal. Model. Yeah, that's a cheap deal. That's a. I think that's almost a below market value deal at this point. If you're looking at what they're. I know he's been slumping, but I think he's been playing through some shit. Yeah. I, yeah, to your point, of course, if I could buy stock in one of these franchises, given the financial means that the Cubs have, it's the Cubs. But how about just from a pure roster and farm system standpoint? So Reds, but it's close. I think the Cubs are second, and that is why I guess my my bias comes in there, not entirely factoring out finances to say, yeah, probably still the Cubs. I also believe in the Cubs' development at the major league level a little bit more than I do the Reds. Yeah, it's I'm, it's a tough one for me, and I think the Brewers are are a very viable answer, if if they had more control of a Corbin Burns. You look at the the rotation. What is that going to look like in a couple of years? I have no idea, and that's I don't Woodward's think anybody off knows. Too, yep. So yeah, and then you know we'll see what they they have with Peralta and long term. Pittsburgh is is worthy of consideration, but I don't think that they the farm system is up to par with the Cubs and, and Cincinnati. Like it's in the conversation, but the other two teams have more big league talent. So I would, I would lean Cubs even purely on roster just because the, the Reds are really, really good. But this is another organization where I'm looking at it. And I'm like, okay, yes, you've got green. You've got Lodolo who like, now I'm starting to wonder this just might be one of those guys who becomes invisible. And we joke Benicky. that he doesn't exist. Yeah. And then Abbott's great, but you know, let's see him do it again. And then, I mean, 
What do you have in Ashcraft? What do do you you have in Graham Ashcraft? They don't know. And then Connor Phillips, you're hoping develops into something. You look at the rest of the pitching prospects. It's kind of the same thing. Chase Petty, you hope develops into something. Uh, I like Rhett Louder a lot, but we haven't seen him throw a professional pitch yet. I think the Cubs are the answer. Their farm system's good. They have pitching questions, but I like what they're starting to build there. Wicks has looked great. Justin Steele has looked great. Kate Wharton's one of the best pitching. Pro- yeah, actually, you know what? The Cubs. The Cubs is the answer. The Cubs is the answer. I'm sorry to, to Reds fans. Cubs are the answer. Yeah, I think the Cubs are the answer. And, dude, Steele has not only looked great. Steele has looked like the NL Cy Young winner. Yeah. Which Eight is shutout innings, 12 punch outs, friend of the show. Dude. Yeah, it's his. Amazing. Is, do you think it's his right now? Am I remembering correctly? Was Zach Gowan's last start not that great? It was not that good. Yeah. I, I can't last give it to Snell, man. I can't, I can't stand the Blake Snell experience. I can't do it. I just, no, Snell, it ain't Snell. It's I, Justin Seals should be the, the Cy Young favorite unless I'm missing something. I, I don't think you're missing anything. I mean, we're seeing a Zach Gowan. I know two tough lineups, Orioles, Dodgers, but you got racked. Four home runs against the Dodgers and then five earned runs against the Orioles. This is Steele's award to win. And also, I'm going to buy into the narrative side of it a little bit. Yes, Gowan has been the ace for the Diamondbacks, which are a good team. And and we were talking about that from the lens of where are the D-backs without Zach Gowan? That's the catalyst of his of his Cy Young you know, argument. But where are the Chicago Cubs without Steele? Especially That's- now, think about it. career high eight innings, career high twelve punches. This is a week after it's kind of revealed that Marcus Stroman might be done for the year. Two weeks after, like it's his show now. There's no Stroman to lean back on. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm all the way in. <laughs> I wonder what the betting odds with our friends at MGM look like there. Uh, by the way, use promo code just baseball on on BetMGM. To make sure you get that full deposit match, or if you lose your bet, you get that money back in your account. But yeah, I would lay, I would lay if it's not, if it's not a heavy favorite to me, Justin Steele is a no brainer. The other thing I was thinking about with the Cubs dude is they have Steele up there. Now we talk about the big league talent that they have. And then you look at the depth that they have pitching wise Wicks going up there and, and holding his own. And you hope that Wesneski can still turn into something. And then, you hope that some of these other arms like a Cade Horton can be up there very soon. Jackson Ferris looks fantastic. It, it's it's a really exciting time to be a Cubs fan. And I think they're they're ahead of the curve here. They're playing with house money. I'm glad that they went. And I'm sure they're very glad that they were buyers of the deadline because you remember we were like, that that's risky. It's one thing to stand pat. It's another thing to go get a Candelario. And I mean, now they're they're really, really solidified in a safe spot in the NL wild card. They're three games up. Their vibes are really strong right now like they are an easy team to root for when it comes to postseason play and honestly the home stretch just securing this thing so if you're the cubs who do you want out of the teams that are within a game of the last wild card spot who like give me the order of who you would want to play if you're the chicago cubs you got and and for those listening at, at the time that we're recording this you have arizona tied with cincinnati for the final playoff spot miami is a half game out San Francisco is a game out. So San Francisco's weird because, like, I would want them on paper, but you get San Francisco in a postseason setting, and it's just like the Giants. Like it's they still the Giants, yeah. yeah, it's still the Giants. Something about the aura, and it's different cast of characters, but it's still the Giants. I think I'd want Cincinnati 
um, even though they just took two or three from you in walk-off fashion, and then I would want Miami and then Arizona. There's so something about seeing Giants fit in. I think the I actually would prefer to see the Giants last. I think in order of preference, wow. I would go Cincinnati, Miami, Arizona, San Francisco. Here's my thing. Who gets the ball game two for the Giants? Cop? Yeah. Yeah, but like who gets okay, the game so, three? Kyle so Harrison? Gallon one. Yeah, shit. Kyle Harrison. So Gallon game one. Merrill Kelly game two. Has Kelly been good over the last couple starts? Been banged up. He's coming back. But he doesn't look sharp. Yeah. And then the Marlins, pitching wise, I mean, it's going to be a buzzsaw. You're going to get Sandy, who I, I still, on a big game, I'm still taking Sandy. Yeah, they'll win three games, one nothing. Yeah. Yuri Perez, I don't want anything to do with that guy. And then you've got a Jesus Lizardo. But that said, the Marlins offense could stall out so quick. So, so, so quick. So you, your order was you'd prefer. Since one, yeah, yeah, I'm kind of, I'm torn on. I it's a home game. It's worth noting, by the way, all three games are at home for you, yeah. so that does really benefit. I think when you're hosting the Reds as well, a team that I mean, the Reds would scare me if I'm playing in their ballpark, and I know they don't have the splits you'd expect, but that fan base, that young team, like they could just blitz you at home for ten runs, and you're like, what? Before you blink, and you're like, what happened? Yeah, that's not going to happen with three games on the road. I, I I agree. I think the Reds are one of the teams I'd prefer to to face. I'd go red in terms of of who I prefer to face to to who I, I want to face the least. I'd go Reds, Giants, Marlins, D backs. I I still I'm still scared of the D backs in terms of star power. That team can really hit. Gallon and Kelly are still a good one-two punch. You only have to take two. I also, the thing is, I I don't trust the Marlins whatsoever. But that that again, it's a three-game series. You get two dominant starts, and you could it could be a wrap. My thing with all four of these teams is like, who has been there before? No one really. Yeah, and you can say the Giants are always there, but that roster, like how many guys have truly been there? It's, yeah, like Crawford's Jock, on your bench kind of hanging out. Mike Jock Peterson. Been there. Jock has been there. Uh, like Webb has thrown in some big games, but I, that's it, man. Like all these teams. Cincinnati, like this is this is shell shock city. I mean, they'll have no <laughs> idea what's coming when they hear the what. It's like, oh, I didn't know we could play on TBS. That's a thing? We can yeah. do that? What do you think the Marlins are going to say? Yeah, it's like, oh, <laughs> shit. National it's, TV, time to shit myself. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think they've gotten a national TV game all year. Um, that That's an interesting one. I'd love to hear on the YouTube comments what your priority is. Uh, or on Twitter, if you're, if you're listening, just post, like, tweet at us what your priority is. If you're the Chicago Cubs, what order of teams within a game you'd like to face because – I think it's it's very up for interpretation, and they're all equally mediocre. Like, I think so. They're all relatively mediocre. Like they're they're fine baseball teams, but they all have negative run differentials. And yeah, you can look at the Marlins minus forty four. Cincinnati ain't much better at minus thirty four, and Arizona ain't that much better at minus twenty four. It's just a bunch of negative run differentials. It's bizarro, man. Um, two teams that are not going to have to worry about the wild card are the Braves and the Dodgers. They just met up this week. Bobby Miller had a great start on Sunday, um, but dude. 
Acuna going 454 off Sheehan on Saturday at 121.2. This was a heavyweight fight. And I think we signed up for a heavyweight fight. I didn't know we were going to get it to this extent. And like every single out this weekend was fun to watch. And this was, there's always a series like that. And last year it was Braves-Mets. Do you remember Freed and DeGrom in like late August? And it was billed and everybody wanted to watch that game. That was mm-hmm. postseason caliber. This whole weekend in LA was postseason caliber. I was watching that and I got that little feeling in my stomach that I was like, oh, sh- I'm ready to go in the month of October. It was like the appetizer, right? I mean, yeah. it was, it gave you everything you wanted. You got good pitching in some games. You got, explosive offense as you mentioned with with the long balls and and with the just ridiculous exit velocities of a Ronald Acuna you had some good bullpen battles you got a little bit of everything and I thought this was one of those where you just know you know that the Dodgers are going to rise to the occasion and play the Braves really tough because I think on paper I really I know the Dodgers are really good I think this Braves team is just a, a full notch better they're perfect they're full-blown perfect yeah it, perfect doesn't always win the world series and that's the craziest thing so you say oh well then that's not perfect well it's no it's just because it's humans playing a sport but yeah. in terms of, of roster construction i think this is one of the best teams we've seen in a very 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 long time yes. like very long time and it's it's crazy and the braves just or in the dodgers just you know gave them a fight and and, and knocked them around at home yeah. and i think in a seven game series they do the same thing it's just something about the Dodgers. They rise to the occasion, and they're led by a guy who's the best player on the planet right now. Yeah, well, two of like the three or four best players on the planet right now in Mookie and Freddie Freeman. Freeman is – somehow that guy has flown under the radar this year. Is he going to have 60 doubles this year? Is that is that where he's at? I think, like, he's got 51. Yeah, that's that's absurd. He may set a like a modern record for doubles in a season, or at least like break a couple decade drought of like a sixty double season. I have no idea when the last sixty it's, double it, season. It, it's actually wild. Everyone you know makes a, a, a big stink about yeah, Acuna and Freeman not liking each other, and it was funny seeing Freeman hand him over the base. Like they're wrong, the base. man. Like yeah, they, 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 Freeman has no problem doing. They that. had a little hug. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, it's fine. But what's interesting is if you want to just like add some fuel to the fire. These guys have almost identical slash lines. Yeah. It is really crazy. So Ronald Acuna Jr. slashing 335, 416, 578. It's a 167 WRC plus and a 6.9 F4. Freddie Freeman, 335, 411, 576. That's a 166 WRC plus and a 6.8 F4. I want to start with one side of this that makes it insane. One. If Ronald Acuna Jr. played half decent defense, he would blow him out of the water in F4. He'd be a so, 10-win player this year. It's so it's so frustrating. He has no excuse to not be good at defense. He's fast as hell and has a cannon for an arm. Two, the fact that Freddie Freeman is accumulating this much war as a first baseman is fucking insane. It's absolutely outrageous. So it's, it's a testament to both of these guys. Acuna, you're frustrating me because you could actually have a 10-war season like every year. Freddie yeah. Freeman, you're insane. For, for what you're doing as a first baseman. And then Mookie Betts, it was it was one of those things. And I don't know if you saw what I like tweeted about it, where it was, it was like, I've never seen a situation between Acuna and Betts where I'm fully positive that one of them is the MVP every time they do something. I, yeah. Acuna hits at 121. I'm like, oh, no, it's over. 
he's the MVP. And then Mookie Betts goes deep twice, and I'm like, oh, no, it's over. He's the MVP. I'm like, How are these guys taking turns definitively being the MVP in my mind? Either I'm nuts or these guys are both just so good that we can't compute it, and I think it's a little of both. Yeah, I think you're nuts, but I think you're nuts for other reasons. This is the first time you're presenting me with this information, and I've kind of long held that theory that you're insane. But um, I just gave you the opening. Yeah, I I don't know, man. Like, I'm never really sold. I just want to go microwave more popcorn, whatever one of them does something. Yeah, that's I'm just I like, mean. okay, like, hey, just wait till the last month of the season. And now we're to the point where it's, Hey, wait for the last three weeks of the season. And then when they have great September 10th through 15th, I'm going to say, hey, wait for the last two weeks of the season. It's just going to keep on going, keep on going until we run out of time and it's time for the writers to make a decision. If I'm a writer right now and you hand me a ballot with those two names, I've got no idea what I'm doing. No clue. And I'm typically like, you know, I side with, oh, the old head accumulation thing. Acuna is the first guy to go 30-60. Mookie's going to have a 10-win season, I think. What, what's his war at right now? 7-7. Seven, seven. He, mm, he's probably not going to get there. By the way, quick trivia. Um, Otani, in terms of B-war or R-war, is it reference war, baseball reference war? I don't know what they uh, call it. Gonna, but that's kind of like the Hall of Fame tracker. That's how I go like historically. Um, Shohei Otani, I think it was August 31, hit 10 B-war hit 10 war. That's an average of two war per month. We're five months in. So if he had a two war season, he's not going to do it because he's not pitching. If he had a two wars, two war month in September, that would get him to 12 war. I think that would be the seventh 12 war season in major league history. Babe Ruth did it three times, but there's one guy to do it after 1927. It, It has to be Barry Bonds, not Bonds. After when Bonds was roided up, I think he was a shit defender, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he definitely had some crazy, crazy wars. He's like 10 plus, but I'm talking a a decade. 60s. 60s. Yeah. But it's like when I say it, you're going to be like, oh, yeah, makes sense. You know, greatest season of all time in in modern history that isn't. Was it Carl Yuskramski? It was Yaz. Yeah. That was his triple crown season in 67 was the last and the only 12 war season after Ruth did it in 1927. That's that's like where we're looking at Shohei Otani. If he did both for another month and he got to two war in the month of September, he and Carl Yastrzemski would have the two best seasons in the last hundred years. Really funny duo there. Uh, One other, like just two other war points. F4, Corey Seager, 5'3", 5.3 in 93 games is absolutely comical. I just want to give him his flowers because it's not just about the 26 pumps in 93 games. It's not just about the 178 WRC plus, which would be one of the best shortstop seasons, arguably in the modern era. It's also, he's defending pretty well, which is cool to see. Like he's always been a fine defender, but to be defending at a slightly above average clip maybe and, and, hit the way he's hitting. I mean, this guy's one of the best players in major league baseball. And if you want to talk about war paces, Davis Schneider through his first 14 oh, games yeah. accumulated oh. 1.5 F war. So uh, let's see what he's at right now. 17 games, 1.7 F war. So, I mean, there's levels to this shit. And like David Schneider is just on his own. What is that? What is that a pace for? 17 uh, games, 1.7 F four. Like, 16.2. 
be a 16 war season. <laughs> I mean, if they called him up sooner, he would have done it. It's a shame. Yeah. Look out, Carl Yaskramski. But th- th- that's the funny thing is David Schneider, his season could be done. He could not play another game. And a 1.7 F4 would put him, I think, in the top. I wonder how many how many position players have qualified position players of a 1.7 F4. Um, it, it can't be that many. But not anyway, many. that's just a segue to check out the our interview on the call-up with David Schneider. One of the coolest stories, uh, one of the coolest dudes I've had on that show thing that we've talked to. And that's got to be one of my favorite conversations I've I've had, really. That guy goes from or there's a term org guy in every he was an organization. Org he was an org guy. And, and the term org guy, if you're not familiar with the term org guy, means somebody that could be in low A one day, be the bullpen catcher in triple A the next day go to high A and fill in at first base the day after that, and then go back to low A and hang out there for two months before, you know, the the guy from triple gets hurt. So you got to go back up there again and be the bullpen catcher. Like that's what org guys are. It's somebody that is just filling in wherever almost a 0% chance that you are a big leaguer. And whenever Davis Schneider got an opportunity, he hit. And then he got an opportunity to play almost every day in Buffalo. And he hit. And it was like a, what, a 950 OPS? Yeah, and 21 home runs. And, I mean, the most impressive thing and the most awesome thing about it, and definitely check out the interview, but he talks about, like, playing once a week and then going on the development list in 21 and and wanting to walk away. And yep. could you imagine? And, and the things that kind of happened that convinced him to not walk away was was pretty amazing. And then the other side of it that was remarkable was 28th round pick out of high school. Usually every every high schooler has a number and it's like, if you don't meet this number, I'll go to college. And they let the, the, the finances make the decision for them. Yep. Davis signed for $50,000 out of high school to forego his commitment to Rutgers. And I asked him, just like, Hey, why, why'd you do that? Right. And he's just like the, the chillest dude ever. He's just said, just wanted to play. It's like, would you have taken $10,000? So I, I think I would have signed for free. I just, I knew if I got my foot in the door, I had a shot and I could always go back to college. And I was like, Nobody approaches it that way. So if yeah. you want somebody to root for, root for David Schneider. You don't have to root for the Blue Jays, but root for David Schneider. It's an awesome story, and he's an awesome dude. And a sweet mustache, too. He's kind of got Ooh, Canada's yeah. mustache right now. It's not America's mustache because he's a Toronto Blue Jay. But, yeah, great conversation on the call-up. Go listen to that. Um, wrapping up with the AL Central real quick here. Um, Minnesota hung 20 on Cleveland. Cleveland ran out a position player, David Fry, for 64 pitches over four innings. Guy threw four innings, position player, Cleveland. And yeah. you circled this series. You said September 4, this thing starts. This is going to be huge. Lucas Giolito, doesn't matter what threads he's wearing right now. He just kind of stinks right now. Yeah, who's going to give him the the deal and what's that deal going to look like? It's... Uh... It's Do you think to it's watch. a one-year deal right now? Let, let's be honest. Like, let's be brutally honest, because this was a guy that I really liked and then frustrated the crap out of me. And we'll wrap on the White Sox making a decision. But, I mean, it, as somebody that watched his starts consistently from when he was the worst qualified starter in baseball to one of the best in 19 and 20 to now a guy that is just limping into the open market. Yeah. It's such a frustrating arc. And – I think if I if he's presented to me and I'm a GM, I say, yeah, I'll do one year six, but that's yeah. about it. 
I'd do more than six, but I, I'd, I'd give him one. I mean, did these guys get crazy numbers on one year now? I, Jordan Lyles got more than that. What is the qualifying? Qualifying is going to be one year, 19. Yeah, something like that. Clevenger got 12. To me, I, he's kind of I in the Clevenger boat. I'd give him 12. Yeah, 12. One year, 12, I would give him that. But that's crazy. I mean, that's a guy that was just traded for Edgar Caro. Uh, it, it's tough to watch, and it's really frustrating because – we're just and we're we were so excited about. I'm still I'm still excited about the Guardians. Like I think they can bounce back. The reason why they put a position player in is so that they have the whole bullpen for the rest of the series because it's still a very pivotal series for them. Yeah. That was just game one, right? It is one game. Yeah, yeah. It's just game one. They if if they can't take the next two, they're in big trouble. Yeah. They're in big 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 trouble. But when you add a guy through waivers and in his first start, he kills you. I mean, he's been. <laughs> He's in a part. He's playing a part now in killing two teams yeah. that were trying to to recapture some hope in the playoff race. And you know, obviously, he doesn't want to do that, but it's yeah. tough to see. It's really hard to see. But tonight, man, circle this game on your calendars both tonight and tomorrow night because tonight at six ten, Sunny Gray and Tanner Bybee. Tomorrow at one ten, Joe Ryan and Gavin Williams. This is going to be fun. Absolutely. And I think the Guardians felt like those games could be won in the bullpen. The boats, I think you're going to get quality starts across. You might get four quality starts between those two games. Yeah. Rest the bullpen up. Let Fry uh, protect it. It's just crazy that he had to keep going out there. I'd be so miserable. Nice. It's fun for one inning. It's tolerable for two. If you got to go three Dude, before. Oh gosh, that's just that just sucks. I'm at 50 just, pitches and I'm going out for the four. <laughs> yeah, like I wonder how sore he is. He's throwing him at like 60 miles an hour, but you are still like leaning down a mound and throwing and it in reps. there. Yeah, like it's yeah, just it's, it's, can't feel great. It's not like something he's entirely used to. But is that enough for you to just say not nah, Guardians are dead now or next two games? If they lose one of the next two, are they dead? I I think so. Do they have to win both to be alive. I think so. Um, but my thing is like, I know it's just one loss, but getting 20 pieced in game one of a massive series, if this was game two, I may feel different about it, but it was game one, man. Like you're up. It's, Hey, we're taking on the division leader who has looked vulnerable and we're riding this great stretch. And we just got really aggressive at the waiver deadline. You have all this good juju going on. You go in, you're smiling, and then you get punched in the mouth to the point where all your teeth fall out. Yes. I feel terrible if I'm Cleveland right now. Yeah. I'm interested to see how they turn the page. I'm rooting for them, though. I hope tough draw, tough draw with the next two games, getting uh, a revitalized Joe Ryan and, and Sonny Gray, who's been throwing the shit out of the ball, but should yeah. be a fun challenge. I'm, I'm still circling those games, dude. I'm yeah. still watching those next two. I am. I don't blame you, man. I'm watching Lance Lynn and to be determined on Wednesday afternoon in Miami. That's going to be great. Um, Let's wrap with Chris Getz and the White Sox thing. Stayed away from it last week because I, I was just frustrated by the hire. And I, I don't know, it felt like a pylon process. But now that we've kind of had a long weekend to pallet, Chris Getz is named the new GM of the Chicago White Sox. We talked about this guy. He was the mastermind behind Project Birmingham, which was, hey, whatever level you're at, let's surround Lions with Lions. You put all the best prospects uh, in tri- or in double A at Birmingham for what the last month and a half of last season, and that was maybe the worst idea in minor league baseball history. Yeah, Colson Montgomery had a sub 500 OPS. 
Westcoth had a sub 500 OPS. Brian Ramos really struggled. There were a bunch of pitchers that really stunk. It was like so demoralizing and you took guys that weren't ready to see double A pitching or hitting and you just put them out to dry because, hey, they were in a better clubhouse and a more talented clubhouse. Yeah, I was like, now do you that think, guy's running a team. Yeah, I was like, do you think, uh, do you think anyone gives a shit that, oh, the the, the guy uh, on deck behind me is is really good, so this will make this 98-mile-per-hour fastball easier to hit? Like, yeah. no. I get I get what they're what they're trying to do, but that's like that's what the Arizona Fall League's for. Yeah. And they're surrounded by studs on a bunch of different teams and you collaborate on thoughts and ideas. And I that, that's why the Fall League is so so damn cool. And by the way, I I've already gathered a few names through word of mouth of of some folks who will be in the Arizona Fall League. It's gonna be fun again. There's gonna be a lot of fun names out there. So should be pretty cool. And that should be coming out relatively soon. But yeah, that, that was just an absurd, absurd idea. I won't let one idea define a man, but that is not a great start. Obviously, he, he's done some other good things. I will say that this White Sox system has started to get stronger, and some guys have made some nice progress. So I am intrigued to see you know, what he does in this role. But I, I don't know. What, what would you have liked to see them do? Like, it would have been expensive, and I don't know. I don't know. We 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 talk about some of the guys that they, they could have went and got a James Click, or they could have went and got you know a Stearns or, or or any of those guys. Do you think they want that job? Yeah, I think so because it's the lead job at a team. Uh, Click is the number two in Toronto right now to Ross Atkins. Um, I think Click would leave for that number one job. And like, listen, the White Sox like that can be a good job if you are you know a really good GM and it looked like Rick Hahn had a really good job. What two years ago. Right. And it just kind of blew up in his face. Honestly, all I wanted was an external hire. That's all I wanted. The fact that they went internal. I mean, we haven't seen a more poorly run organization in major league baseball in decades. Well, that's the thing. So if you're James click, what's the commonality here? It's, Reinsdorf, do you want yeah, to deal with that? It's a house thing. Like, Click can go in. He has no ties to anybody in that clubhouse. And he can just, like, say, screw it. And he can clean all what needs to be cleaned. And then Gats is like, well, I drafted this guy. I signed this guy. And, like, maybe this guy's a piece of shit and a detriment to the clubhouse. But, like, if he's good in a White Sox uniform, that's a win for me. Like, there are just so many subconscious biases here with an internal hire, yeah. all I wanted them to do was go outside this loyal family that Jerry Reinsdorf has built because, frankly, it's a dysfunctional-ass family. If you've yeah. watched The Bear, it looks like what the hell's going on in that Fishes episode. Yeah, it's funny because I find it so bizarre that they'd want to keep it in-house when it's been so dysfunctional. It's Wouldn't you want that. it? Wouldn't you want a taste breaker? Wouldn't you want something that's just different, that a different perspective from an organization that is one and you click is one a lot or even Stearns like that's another. There's probably other options out there of just folks who have won ball games and better run organizations and go from there. I'm with you. I think they should have went outside. They didn't. We'll see how gets does, but 
it just to me sounds like it's going to be a lot more years of the White Sox being the White Sox. And they, you just got to hope that they identify talent and develop it. And I guess that's what they're going to lean into here with Getz is they're hoping that they have somebody that can cultivate the farm system and build it that way because you know that Ryan Sorf isn't going to spend. I still can't believe that Andrew Benatendi is the highest paid player in franchise history, free agent in franchise history. Yeah. It, dude, it's going to happen at some point. Like they're going to make a change for the better at some point. But this was – a, a shit experience and getting really Chicago on you to rap. They they finally threw in the towel when they hired our tourist counter Chauvis to run the bulls, who was excellent in Denver. Um, when they got rid of Gar Foreman and John Paxson, like that was needed. That is the other organization that Jerry Reinsdorf owns, but we know Jerry Reinsdorf likes the white Sox may way more than he likes the bulls. And as soon as he got out of the bulls situation, they made a good external hire. I just wonder when that comes. When does he get out of the White Sox way? And it just doesn't feel like it's happening anytime soon. So that's it. Yeah. I just, again, I just, I guess your the, the real hope is that Chris gets learns quickly and can be, be better than you, than you think he might be, which is and possible. Rogue. Totally possible. possible. Very possible. So we'll see, but there is some good young talent budding there and, We'll see what the White Sox do. Yep. All right. Walker Bueller tomorrow, Pitching Ninja Thursday, all three of us on Friday. Loaded week. Thanks for joining us uh, for part one of this four-part week. He's Aram. I'm Jack. Every link you need in the episode description. And with that, we'll talk to you guys tomorrow. Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.